0: and welcome once again to the football fig nuts podcast. This is episode number uh, six. Uh, today we are gonna go over DFS and I'm Craig. I am Britt. That's Britt. Um, so Britt, I know we're gonna go over what's DFS um, how to play it what yeah. the hell is fantasy football yeah. but first uh, what are you drinking?
1: Well I, I stumbled onto a beer that I've been wanting to try. If you haven't heard of Collective Arts Brewing out of uh, Hamilton, Ontario, they recently did a collaboration with our favorite people, Two Roads, sponsor us, please, Two Roads, Um, and it kind of made me aware of them. So when I was stumbling through the store today looking for something to drink because I was out of my 40 ounce of uh, Colt 45, I came across, um, it's called Saint of Circumstance, and it's a blonde ale with orange and lemon zest and i got a can i have half the can here craig has a glass of it in front of him so why don't you give it a try and see what you think all right let's see We probably shouldn't both drink at the same time it's dead air probably not but um ooh, that's interesting
0: Mm. Uh, that's interesting it's it's a really light intro but there's a hard there's a much harder um finish yes the, the follow the along end.
1: is really good um it's got a 3.59 on untapped which if you've been reading the site you know i like a great deal um i don't know I, this is probably worth a three and a half from me i, I, I don't mind it I don't Mind? well it's pretty
0: it's it's different usually most of those it. beers the flavor is um you know in the front not the end there. correct
1: absolutely correct so with that out of the way we can move on to the uh business of talking football and uh We're starting our regular schedule this week. Yep, that's me opening another beer because I've already ripped through that blonde one. Um, Hopefully my wife isn't going to listen to this podcast, but I think she does just to see how much I drink. Anyway, that's it, sweetie. Just a beer and a half today. Um, We have some news and notes coming out of the NFL, some stuff that is uh, kind of uh, key to what we've been talking about. Let's just do the quick one, the one we don't need to talk about right now. Mike Lennon named the starter in Chicago. Does this change anything with your quarterback rankings, Craig? No, it does not. Nor I. Mike Glennon is still somewhere between 25 and 106, and I would not draft him unless I was really drunk, I guess. I don't know. I can't think of a situation under which I would draft Glennon. So uh, we'll move on from that, but he is going to be the starter in Chicago. Um, The next one is Jordan Reed is going to be on the PUP. For those of you who follow football, the physically unable to perform list or PUP means that you cannot practice and participate in team activities. During the season, it's required under league rules that you miss a minimum of six weeks when you're put on the PUP. In the preseason, it's different. Uh, He can be medically cleared at any time before the start of the season, and he will be eligible to return the next day. So putting him on the PUP is just really a designation for him to get special medical treatment and to stay off the field until he's 100%. Um, If Jordan Reed isn't 100%, Craig, how much does this hurt Washington going into week one, and how does it change your rankings?
0: Uh, you know, I think Jordan Reed was a big part of their offense, as, Huge. as tight irons are uh, becoming, so I think it's going to affect them uh fairly well. I mean, I'm sure they'll be prepared for it, but it's it's gonna change their play calling.
1: They're saying he'll be ready for day one if mm. if draft day comes and he's still sitting on the p u p and we draft on as many people do right around labor Day, does it change Jordan Reed in your rankings because we had him pretty high
0: um. It does. I would change him uh, because of being a Bango fan and seeing how much Tyler Eifert's injury affected them. Yeah, it his injury took them out of the playoffs.
1: Yeah, changed absolutely. them
0: completely. So
1: well, some would argue Marvin Lewis has taken them out of the playoffs. Well, every that's, year. A diff-
0: that's a different that's uh, a different kettle I mean. of we'll we'll, uh, we'll skip that. Fur, cats, something. we'll skip that.
1: A f- kettle of cats. And then now to the, the favorite one, Lucky Whitehead is now a New York Jet, according to Ian Rappaport and ESPN.com. Um, for those of you who did not hear the saga, the quick version of guess it. guess he wasn't is, very lucky. Yeah, exactly, really. Um, <laughs> Sorry, had to be done. Had to be done. Had to be done. For those of you who may not have heard the saga, very shortly, a case of mistaken identity led to a report that Lucky Whitehead had a warrant out for his arrest. It was not true. I don't know how there may be two guys who go by the name Lucky Whitehead wandering That's actually around. That's uh, pretty impressive. Yeah, I know. Uh, but it was a different guy. But when the Cowboys on Monday caught wind that there was a warrant out for his arrest, according to TMZ, they cut him. They filed the paperwork. They did so late, by the way. They said they cut him on Monday and the paperwork was not finalized on Monday, which is a whole other deal. And Lucky Whitehead lashed out because they never contacted him. They never tried to get in touch with him. And the Jets swooped in and said, we don't have any wide receivers anymore, so let's sign Lucky Whitehead. Um, Fantasy impact is, uh, in terms of Lucky Whitehead, is 4.6 points in a PPR because last season he had exactly three catches for 16 yards. So does this change anything at all for the Jets? It doesn't for me. Craig? Um,
0: It may change some things for the Jets, but not for me.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's more just a funny story because...
0: Because it's the Cowboys. And yes. holes. Yeah.
1: The Cowboys reacted to a report on TMZ.
0: Think about that.
1: In an era when, we, when the word fake news is tossed around all the time, <laughs> they made a cut decision based on a report on TMZ. It's
0: like they could at least call his agent.
1: They or did the nothing pol- to verify this, police. it appears. Was it even in Texas? I don't think so. And yeah. the, the funny part was he didn't find out about it until somebody called him for comment, apparently. Like he was completely unaware, like that there was a warrant out or that there was articles out about him. He was like, that's you know it wasn't about him. It wasn't about him. He's like, What the hell do I have to care? I didn't I didn't get arrested for shoplifting. It's it's not it's I, not me. I don't
0: know. It's 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 weird.
1: It is a very, weird, very weird scenario. Very weird. So anyway, to business. So we wanted to talk a lot about um, DFS. What is DFS? Um, how do you get involved with it? What kind of risks are involved with it, the whole nine yards. So that's what we're going to spend the majority of our, our time today talking about. So I wanted to, uh, the people who reached out to me about this kind of said, I don't know anything about DFS. I really could use a straight up intro to exactly what Do the they heck. know
0: anything about fantasy football?
1: They know fantasy football. They've done season long for years, Okay, but they don't understand DFS. What they know about DFS is that it's controversial because it's considered gambling by some and it costs money to do. Well, like Correct. anybody who walks into a casino, let's uh, and, and I'm not going to get involved in the gambling argument. Straight up off the top. It's a game of skill. No, it's not. It's gambling. I don't care what it is. <laughs> it's protected by the law. States can do their own thing with it. I live in a state that embraces it. I'm not going to get into the argument over whether or not it's gambling. Okay, so let's just get that out of the way right now. But when you walk into a casino, Craig, Craig's yep. going to take $1,000 because right. Craig sleeps in a vault of money like Scrooge McDuck. Okay. He's going to like take $1,000 and walk into a casino. What game are you heading to?
0: Me personally? Yes, you. I'm going to split time between... Um, no,
1: where are you going first?
0: first? Uh, all right, all right, roulette.
1: Roulette, why?
0: I I just enjoy roulette out of all the table games. So you played it before? Yes.
1: Okay, roulette tables are all closed. It's Damn three it. o'clock in the morning. There's not a single table of roulette open. Where are you going?
0: Um, <clears throat> what tables are open?
1: That's an interesting question. Let's say, baccarat, sickbo and Caribbean Stud are the only tables currently available in this um, terrible <laughs> National Lampoon <laughs> Vegas vacation style casino. Um, I'll go Caribbean Stud. Have you played Caribbean Stud? No. Okay, how aggressive are you going to be?
0: Um, I'm going to tell the dealer that I don't know what I'm doing.
1: He's going to smile because either you're going to win and tip him or the casino's taking all of your money and he's going to get job security. Pretty That's much. where I'm going with this. People who don't know DFS, they know it costs money, they know it's considered gambling and there's legalities to it by certain people. They don't want to go out there and put money on the table and not know what they're doing and lose all their money. So it scares people away in that respect. So... That's why we're here today, and we're going to talk about daily fantasy sports. We're going to talk about what constitutes uh, DFS, the types of pools, the places you can do it, just a general kind of uh, introduction to everything. If you know DFS inside and out, you're probably not going to get a ton out of our podcast today, but we, you know, thank you for listening regardless. So, excuse me. All right. So, DFS stands for daily fantasy sports, and what it is, it's a variation to fantasy sports that does not require an entire season to play it is a predetermined period of time that you are competing against other people in pools. For example, in the NFL, it is typically a week. Week one is a DFS pool. Um, in major league baseball, it's one day of games. Every game that happens on Wednesday, July 26th is considered a pool of games, etc. cetera. So you put together a team using a lineup system that they put forward. that has a salary cap. You're not drafting against other people. You pick the players that you feel fit best, but the salary cap can be really restrictive. You're not going to be able to fit the best players at every position. You're going to have to make some tough decisions and really try to stay under the salary cap. And that's where the skill of it comes in. So you put together this team and you start entering it in a variety of pools. And depending on the type of pool you enter it in, you win cash or prizes associated with it. Uh, There are games that you can enter multiple lineups into, there are games you can only enter one lineup into, and there are actually $0 free rolls that players can set up depending on the site that you don't even have to pay for. So it really is just a variation on the fantasy that we all already know. You're still trying to beat other people and put together a better team than the guy across from you. The difference is that the pools can be larger than one person. So um, there's a variety of formats, we're going to go into all the formats. Okay. Let's talk about the legalese up front. Well, before I get to legalese, what did I miss in the definition of DFS, Craig?
0: I think you I think you summarize it pretty well. I'm
1: allowing you to sit there and sip your beer you too much, because this you is an are. area I like to talk about. It is. No, so, you're
0: you're the professional on this part of it. That's a total lie. It is a but,
1: lie. Yeah, but it's it's an entertaining lie. And isn't that the real truth?
0: <laughs> it is. The answer is no.
1: So um who that's said it. it? It's a Simpsons quote. Come on, Craig. Say it again. Oh, I just forgot it. Flew oh, in my head. now it's gone. It's the truth in that it's a lie, but it's an entertaining lie. And isn't that the real truth? The answer is no.
0: That sounds like something Homer would say. It
1: wasn't Homer. It was a special guest star. I'll give you one more chance. Special guest star. Yeah, because huh? I'm going to take a sip of my beer, so you have a moment to think.
0: Uh, it wasn't Joe Namath. No, he talked about vapor Lock.
1: That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Namath and <the> Vaporlock.
0: <laughs> oh, wow. I don't know.
1: The answer for those of you playing along at home is Leonard Nimoy. Oh. From the episode where Mr. Burns gets treatments and Homer thinks he's an alien. Mm-hmm. Leonard Nimoy comes to cover it for a show, and that's the opening to his show.
0: Oh, that's right. I remember the end.
1: That's right. You know, <laughs> Mr. I Mr. Nimoy, you,
0: love... you, didn't, you didn't do anything. Did I?
1: <laughs> what do you want um. in your hot dogs, Spock? So Okay. So I'm sorry, back to this. The legal disc- disclaimer, we talked about we're not gonna get into the gambling thing of this. No. But the first thing is you're I did look at our, our stats and we are being listened to in a variety of locations outside of our home state and a home country. So please, before you even consider you doing any sort of daily fantasy sports, please check with your local laws and regulations. The easy way to do this is that when you play on certain sites, they restrict based on your location, whether or not you can enter a lineup. If you go on DraftKings and it says that you based on your IP's location, you cannot play, you can't play. Um, that may only come into to terms when your IP crosses state lines. Excuse me again. That happened to me last year when New York suspended it briefly. I'm in Connecticut, but I am a, uh, I was an optimal customer. They're based out of New York. So I was pinging off of a server in New York state. It was like, what the hell are you doing? And I just basically had to find a different server and, and connect through there. And then it was, it, it verified my home address that way. But anyway, so please don't play if you're in a place that is illegal for you to play. And there go my notes off of the screen. There you go. What the heck, man?
0: And it just as a sidebar, this is just our personal thoughts. So if you happen to use any of our suggestions, it's totally up to you. We don't take any uh responsibility for your lineups. Yeah, we are not
1: legally responsible for any money you lose on DraftKings, FanDuel or another site. If you go onto the sites and you put in a lineup based off of our recommendations, um and you lose a million dollars please you're not i can't you can't sue me i'm this is why we're putting it into the podcast now we're not <laughs> telling you to go and bet your house or any amount of money what we're telling you is we've done this before doing it for a while we've had some success and we feel like we have information to share but it doesn't mean we lose every, we win every week we lose once in a while particularly in the beginning of the season you'll hear this too going into week 1 i will tell you to be very cautious in week 1 week 1 in the three years I've been doing DFS, I've lost every single week one. And there goes half our listeners. They're I know. Done. They just There's hung a, They click. the podcast. Thanks for coming, guys. Or... Email us. Um, they unsubscribe. They <laughs> Craig is going to open the beer because he's just like, oh, God, he's just killed our momentum. <laughs> um, but, yes. So just keep in mind, wager or enter responsibly, whatever you want to consider it. But make sure that you're not um, – you know, going over the line and not, not blaming us when, when your money doesn't, if you don't, if you don't win. So, all right. So there's a bunch of sites that you can do this at. The two most popular are DraftKings and FanDuel. Um, if you watch football, you've seen their ads because they went into an ad war about a year ago, a very highly publicized ad war, which ended up in uh, them announcing a merger. Um, that merger has since been scrapped mainly because there were a bunch of regulatory complaints against it. So we are, there's not, there's not going to be a, a merger. So DraftKings and FanDuel are going to go back to business as usual. There is, however, other sites, uh, Yahoo Sports, Fantasy Aces. These are places I have not dealt with. I have dealt with DraftKings and and uh, FanDuel, and I can speak to their reliability. Craig, do you have a preference? What do you like better, DraftKings or FanDuel?
0: Uh, personally, I like DraftKings just because that's where um, I started on.
1: You're so sorry. What was that last part? That's
0: where I started doing DFS. So, so did I. I did just... not.
1: I don't like Fanduel, and my brother's the exact opposite. My brother likes Fanduel and doesn't like DraftKings. And the primary difference, besides the fact that they use different systems for, an, don't uh, think use a kicker. Yes, Fanduel uses a kicker. Mm-hmm. Uh, DraftKings does not. If you don't want to use a kicker,
0: no, they have a flex.
1: Yes, which adds another dimension to it, and and adds more variation to uh, that lineup. You can. It's not a super flex, but it's any. Possession, uh, position. So, running back, wide receiver, tight end can be used in the flex position. So, so those are the sites we use. I prefer DraftKings. FanDuel isn't bad, and between the two of them, they control ninety-five percent of the market, according to some sources. I saw that on Wikipedia. I know Wikipedia isn't exactly the greatest source of all time. Change
0: that right now.
1: Yeah, yeah, Craig's gonna go in there and change it right now and to a number of one hundred (laughs) and six percent. So, um, the game is largely the same across all sites, but each. Site has their own processes, like FanDuel doing the kicker. So there's a big part of that too. Be aware of that. Know what the rules are before you get involved in it. Regardless of the specific site, the goal is the same. You're trying to put together a team of uh, players under a site-specified salary cap and then compete against other individuals putting together their own lineups. If you finish ahead of a predetermined number of players, you will win the cash or prize associated with it. Depending on the pool type, finishing higher means you more money. Um, other things that affect is like the maximum number of entrants, how much each position is worth, and the total number of paces played. All of this is determined beforehand. So when you open a contest on, I'm just going to say DraftKings, you open a contest on DraftKings, it tells you what it costs to get into it. If you tap the information button, it will tell you the payout structure. It will tell you uh, what each pace place pays gives you all the information it tells you the maximum number of times you can enter and it tells you the maximum number of places that will be paid out okay so it's basically a pool but you know up front what you're getting into i tend to work on pools with higher percentages of payouts and we're going to go into that a little bit too um what did i miss there craig what do you think
0: uh again you cover that pretty well I mean, that's... Um,
1: I remembered my notes this week. Isn't it amazing? Did.
0: He did. They're very detailed notes. They are. Right and now. I sent them
1: to Craig, and he did read them this week. I did. Which is, is amazing, because he hadn't read any of the, the specific ones from the uh, <laughs> positional previews. But Okay, so different pool types. So there's two major types of pools. Cash games and tournaments. Sometimes tournaments are called GPPs, which I think are called Guaranteed Prize Pool. I'm pretty sure that's what that stands for. I'm a beer in, so I don't know. Um, but uh,
0: I think that's what it is.
1: Yeah. Either way, it's it's about the style of the game. And they are very different in terms of their strategy. Let's talk about cash games first. Cash games are where you put together a lineup, you pay the entry fee, and a predetermined percentage of the participants will win and everyone else will lose. For example, the mainly the cash line. Hold on. I actually wrote this down. Oh, where are you? Oh my goodness, Uh, 40%. Roughly 40% of entrants in cash games will win, okay? So I have a $1 entry to a pool, and it's 100 people. The top 40 people will all win the same prize. Does not make a difference if I finish 1st or 40th in a cash game. Everyone cashes out at the same level. What I get out of that is depending on the pool type. That's if it's the 40% line. Sometimes the line's a little bit lower. Sometimes it's 33%, 35%, whatever it is. But that's how these sites make money is that's it's not an even split. So I'm going to work off just the general idea of there's 100 people in every pool for cash games today, just for the purposes of giving you guys numbers. So what kind of cash games are there? Well, there's two, there's a bunch of them. Um, the basic one in cash, the first one is 50-50 games. games mean this is a high percentage payout, low yield type of setup. 50% of the people will win, 50% will lose. After the house takes their stake, everything else is divided up amongst the 50 winners. So, we're in a pool of 100 people in a 50-50 and it costs a dollar. The top 50, first through 50th, will each win $1.80 on their $1 bet. Well, why aren't they winning $2? Because that's how DraftKings, FanDuel, and everybody else stays in business. They take a small percentage. In this case, what is that, 10%? 20. 20% off the top for business operations. So 1 through 50 will turn a dollar into $1. eighty. 51 through 100 will win nothing. So, Craig, your thoughts on 50-50s?
0: Uh, since we've been doing it, I kinda of at least do one or two a week only because I feel like your chances of winning are greater.
1: It is the highest percentage payout. Half the field is gonna win, but it also yields the lowest payout ratio. And True. that twenty percent rake stands pretty constant. So if you bet two dollars, you're looking to win three sixty. You know? If you bet ten dollars, the payoff is gonna be eighteen. And the pool types, there's various entry levels too. Sometimes they're a dollar, sometimes they're ten dollars you'll see pools into the thousands of dollars. Don't touch those. Stay away from those. If you're listening to this podcast, you've never done DFS, and you think I'm going to put $1,000 into a double up or a 50-50, and I'm going to be set for the rest of the year. Don't do that. It's a bad idea. So so that's a 50-50. Half the people are going to win, half the people are going to lose, and you're not going to quite double your money if you end up in the top half. I also like putting some money into a 50-50 each week because it's usually a safer bet. Um the higher uh, aggressive players t- tend to stay away from the 50-50s. Um, particularly when I have a lineup I'm not really super confident in. Maybe it's a lineup I know is going to bring 150 points and that's around where the pay line is, but I don't think they're going to get to like 180 or 190. I'm not 100% sure on them, but I'm confident that they're going to get at least to a minimum number. So let's let's introduce that right now. There's terminology associated with DFS floor and ceiling is something you're going to hear a lot floor is what's widely acknowledged as the fewest points a person is going to score ceiling is what they're absolutely going to score if they have the greatest day of their life tom brady i'm going to use him i know it upsets craig but i'm gonna use him anyway beer yes tom brady has a floor of like 10 to 15 points even on his worst day unless he gets hurt he's gonna score 10 points it's gonna happen that's just him that's his floor. If that's what you're comfortable with, go with it. You're working with the floor numbers when you're talking about cash games because you want minimum accomplishments. And if your floor scores add up to about 150 points, you're in good shape. So, you know, Ceiling scores don't really work so well in this one because if, Tom's, if Tom scores 400 points and it still gets you first place, it still doesn't matter. You just have to get into that top half. So you're really looking for consistency in the cash games. You're looking more for individuals you know you can trust. So, I hope this is all making sense. Is it making any sense, Craig?
0: Uh, it makes sense.
1: Is it? It does. it does. Are you just saying that to me cuz I am a beer in? No. No, it makes sense. Okay, that's that's
0: good. If there's someone who's who's listening and who doesn't know what the hell DFS is, I think it's a good um it's a good starting point.
1: And I've had two or three people reach out to me and say, "Can you guys talk about DFS?" You know, not not because we talked about it in the early episodes, not that we're going to talk about it, but what the hell is it? So, All right, so the other most popular part of um, cash games is double ups. This is where you tend to see the 30 to 40% returns. um, And that is if you put $5 into a pool, a predetermined number of people are going to win $10 back. You're going to double up your money. Okay, so because again, they take a rake out of it in a pool of 100, they're only going to pay the top 40 places. Those 41 through 50 people are how they stay in business. And 51 through 100 probably should find another hobby. So double-ups are my bread and butter. With double-ups, you're wor- worried about floor, but you also have an eye on ceiling because you want to make sure that your people are going to get and stay in that top 40%. If you know anything about fantasy football, if you follow the developments that go on in here, double-ups are not that tough on a regular basis. Mainly what screws us up in double-ups is that one guy that somebody picked up because they had to fill spots. Like, I don't know, Lucky Whitehead. Mm -hmm. You know, Lucky Whitehead has zero fantasy points for eight weeks, and in week nine... He catches uh, for 210 yards and three touchdowns. Exactly. So he's got 35 points, and somebody put him into his lineup because they had to fill a hole. Because that's the other thing. You can't enter a partial lineup. You can't sit there and go, well, I'm going to roll with these three or four guys and leave the other spots blank. You have to put someone into those holes. So sometimes that happens where people put in a hole filler, and the hole filler makes points. And you know, it, it, and it does. It can affect the pool. That's really where we see problems with the double-ups. Our system, which we call the metric, actually does really, really well with the double-ups, and we'll be talking about a lot that this season. If you're new to DFS, try the 50-50s first. When you're comfortable with the 50-50s, move to the double-ups. Craig, your thought on double-ups? Uh,
0: double-ups are the other bet i do every week other than 50 50s
1: every week we're in a fifty-fifty 50 and a double up pretty much All right
0: at least um again because the win percentage is better for you and then sometimes um you know sometimes you do get lucky and you find that one guy a lot of other people don't have and he kind of pushes you higher in the ranking oh
1: that's a big part of this and that's going to be advanced strategy is ownership percentage we have not even talked about that and is not in my notes no that'll be a later <sighs> i think we should just so you guys know, the two second version of ownership percentage is it doesn't help you in a 40% pool if 70% of the people have the same lineup. They're all fighting for the same dollar with the same set of skills. Imagine if I printed off a hundred resumes and handed them to people with different names on the top of them and all sent them in for the same job. That's essentially what happens when you have players who are overowned. So everyone loves Zeke Elliott against a particular offense or a particular defense. So, well, no, he wouldn't play against this particular offense. God darn it. Okay, anyway. um, So I send all these hundred people in for the same job with the same resume. The guy's going to look at them like, you're nuts. You all have the exact same skills. Neither one of you is differentiating yourself from the crowd of people. It's the same thing in DFS. If you're putting forward a lineup with people that are widely owned, you're not getting ahead of them. You're just keeping pace with them. And in a cash game, that can suffice. But usually a cash game, the difference is that guy who is a low owned, less than 25% of the people in a pool own them. um, That makes a huge difference. Great example. Two years ago, Julio Jones gets hurt and Harry Douglas hits the scene. Everybody remember Harry Douglas? Remember Harry Douglas, Craig?
0: Uh, I mostly remember Harry Douglas.
1: Yeah, he had like three games where he was like amazing, right? Remember that? Julio Jones got hurt and Harry Douglas came out of the woodwork and Roddy White was constantly on the injury report and Mm -hmm. nobody knew if Roddy White was alive or dead. I remember. Yeah, exactly. So I put Harry Douglas into a DFS lineup. He was 9% owned. He went off. He had like 12 catches for 115 yards and a touchdown. Because he was so low owned, It put me above everybody else. It differentiated my lineup from the other people. So ownership percentage matters. And again, like I said, we'll talk about it more later and you'll hear it throughout the year. Ownership percentage matters. It doesn't matter if I identify a sleeper if 80% of the people in my pool identify a sleeper. It's about identifying folks that other people don't. So, So that's double ups. The last part of the cash games is called multiplier games. This is where the payoff line is a little higher but the payoff is a little higher. So in a group of 100, you might have a triple up or a 10X or a 5X. You're gonna get whatever your entry is times that value. So a $5 entry into a 10X is gonna yield 50 bucks, but in 100 people, only the top like six or seven are gonna win. Much smaller pay line, uh, much harder to reach, but a significantly better payout. This may be a situation where you have to treat it a little bit more like a tournament setup, but you know, that's up to you. I tend to stay away from anything more than three X because you tend to brought, bring out sharks in that sharks are players who are skilled pros. They do this and they call them sharks because they wander around the ocean of DFS looking for smaller fish to eat. Don't be that smaller fish to eat. Um, They call those guys guppies. Sometimes they just tossing 20 bucks in because you have nothing better to do. Well, they're going to eat up your 20 bucks and take your money because they have done the research and they're not picking players based on people they like. They're basing it on research. So Craig, what do you think about multipliers? I don't think we've done a lot of them together.
0: We haven't. Um, I've done a few personally. Um, I have lost a, quite a bit of them. Yeah. They usually cost more money to join in.
1: Yeah. Um, well, there are um, tiny ones. There are little ones. But they're a dollar to win 10 bucks and they're still very competitive.
0: But there's, there was two years ago I was in one and I, you know, I won like 80 bucks.
1: It does happen. So. It does happen. It's worth a flyer once in a while. So so that's a cash game breakdown. Essentially, what you know about cash games is their entry fees range from anywhere from a dollar to thousands of dollars. And depending on the pool, either half the people will win, uh, a certain number of people will double their money or multiply their money by a predetermined number. And you can look at that before you enter, which you should do. Because one of the things I do when I'm judging pools is what percentage of the people are going to cash. And I am more likely to enter a 40% winner's pool than a 30% winner's pool because what happens if I end up in that 31 to 40 range? I don't want to lose my money. So that's cash games. Tournaments are a completely different kettle of fish. They are the same basic rules. However, they are typically huge pools of players and the rewards or payouts are tiered based on how high you finish. In a cash game... If it's a 50-50 and it's 100 players, number one through number 50 are going to win the same amount of money. In a tournament, the higher you place, the more you win. That also changes the strategy when you look at these kinds of pools. So tournaments tend to be a little bit more, you have to find that one guy that stands out and you have to get the the unique lineups in. Um, This is where you find things like millionaire makers, or uh qualifier trips. The guy in the Buffalo
0: Wild Wings commercial.
1: The guy in the Buffalo Wild Wings commercial, absolutely. Um that's that's where you see these folks. You'll see tournament pools where they say, okay, first place gets a free ticket to Dallas to play in the national fantasy football championship on week fifteen. That's the type of pools these these things tend to tend to be. Tournaments can be cheaper. There are quarter tournaments. A lot of times I have entered quarter tournaments pretty frequently and won like, I don't know, 50 cents to a dollar because it's, again, you're betting 25 cents. You're going to get a much smaller payout. But, um, in general, I tend to stay clear of tournaments. They tend to be much more competitive, much more kind of hit or miss. And the sharks tend to favor them, particularly the millionaire makers and the big tournaments that lead to, uh, qualifiers and satellites. Craig, your thought on tournaments
0: to me, tournaments are like playing lotto. yeah, essentially. Yeah. Or they're like going to the casino.
1: Yeah. I mean, you're talking tens of thousands of people in some of these pools. The millionaire makers tend to be $20. So keep in mind just to cover the payout of first place, because in those millionaire makers, first place is a million dollars. What is that? 50,000, 500,000 people? Yeah, right. it's like, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm not doing the math right now. I just don't really care. But it's tens of thousands of people. And that's just to cover first place. And they don't run these things if they don't make money. So, you know, I, tournaments tend to be where you're going to make a big splash. You probably won't hear a lot of tournament talk on our podcast. What we tend to do is we tend to take our optimal lineup that we're using in cash and 50-50s and toss it into one tournament. But we don't spend a lot of time doing tournaments just because... It's not what our system is built to do. Our system is built to do um, the cash in the 50-50 games. So um, so what's the difference to the average player? What's the difference between a cash and a tournament pool? Your um, strategy is going to be completely different. In cash, you just need to make it above a certain line. You're looking for safety. You're looking for guys who are going to produce. You're looking for guys who are going to avoid injury. In tournaments, you're trying to find that one guy no one else uses. Yes, I did talk about how um, ownership percentage can be important in cash too, but it's absolutely essential in a tournament. If you don't manage your uh, ownership percentage in a tournament, you're dead in the water. The only person you want to own in a tournament that does not have anything to do with ownership percentage is the highest scoring player of the week. That's it. Outside of that, you don't want it. So if Ezekiel Elliott's going to score 45 points and it's he's 90% owned, that's okay to have him, but you better have that guy, that wide receiver that hasn't been off the bench all year and is going to score 25 points because that's what's going to differentiate you from the crowd. And that's uh, what they call contrarian plays. Another terminology point, contrarian plays is when you go against the grain. So everybody is saying, oh, you got to get Zeke. You got to use Zeke. You got to use Zeke. A contrarian play is where you say, you know what? You guys are all using Zeke. And if Zeke has a bad game for whatever reason, injury or just not great, like everybody thinks he's going to, I'm not going to use him and I'm going to be ahead of the fray. Last year, the common anti-contrarian pick was against Todd Gurley. Everybody bet against Todd Gurley because there were all these folks from the year before who were like, Todd Gurley's been amazing with the Rams. He's going to continue to produce. Betting against Todd Gurley turned out to be a really good contrarian play because he just didn't play as well as everybody thought he would. Craig, Contrarian plays. How how many Contrarians do you really look for in a given week? Tournament wise. Tournament wise? Yeah.
0: Um maybe one or two, but again, it's really it's really hard. Yeah, Tournaments I mean, are really hard to Oh
1: do. absolutely. And if you go more than one or two, there's a good chance if they all hit you're gonna win. But if they don't all hit, you're definitely gonna lose. Yes, yes, you are. You know, I mean, you know, it's just it's just not gonna it, happen.
0: You know, it's easy if you win a couple, and then you're, you know, it says your balance is, say, you started the season with twenty bucks, right. Halfway through, your your balance is say a hundred bucks, right. It's really easy just to click that oh, yeah. twenty dollar button. Like again, like the casino with the with a slot machine. Sure, I'll bet all the lines
1: bankrolling yes that's what they call bankrolling is when you play the safe place to try and increase your your available funds to go after the big stuff typically what we do in our group is if we're going to bet $10 any week we bet $7 on cash uh, cash games and $3 on the tournament that way if the cash pays out we're going to pay out about some 10 to 15 bucks and if the tournament doesn't we lose that three bucks we're still up a couple bucks at the end of the week and if the tournament hits we have a really, really big week. So, um, again, what you play, I would strongly encourage newer players to only play tournaments when they're free, play the cash games upfront, build your bankroll and get used to it and be prepared to lose a lot in the beginning. We talked about the difference in rosters for the, the, the two different strategies. You want safety in cash games. You want teams that are going to get you to 150 points. But when it comes to tournaments, you want teams that have a potential to score 200 points. And that may mean floor be damned. You're really looking at the ceiling there. It's a much different setup for your, uh, your rosters. You're also looking for a different caliber of player. You want, um, like I just said, the ceiling and the floor thing. Sometimes in tournaments, the guy who makes a difference is the third string guy who hasn't done a thing all year. Can you really identify that guy? Can you pick him up before other people can? Using my Harry Douglas example, maybe you can. If you can, great. If you can't, you're probably going to struggle in the tournament format. Different research methods. Cash games rely on consistent performance. I want to know, can you tell me, because this guy's going to score 15 to 20 points. Great, I can use him. The research methods for tournaments tend to be, you're looking for the guy with the big bang. Here's my example on this. So let's say, just say the Atlanta Falcons. No names, just tossing out a team name to be example. You find out that they're playing against uh, Washington and D'Angelo Hall is um, questionable at best. Well, you know D'Angelo Hall is going to cover Julio Jones and you expect Atlanta to play from behind because Washington's offense has been clicking and Atlanta's defense is average at best. So you expect Matt Ryan to be throwing the ball a lot. You expect D'Angelo Hall to be covering Julio Jones. You're not going to use Julio Jones in a tournament lineup because he's going to be covered. And if you do, he's a flyer because D'Angelo Hall is hurt. You're going to focus on his backup. Who's going to get the second most targets in Atlanta? Maybe it's Austin Hooper. Maybe it's. Yeah, exactly. But if you can figure that out before everybody else can and lock in a lineup with it, then you may be in a tournament power position. Again, that's an awful lot of work. I don't want to go through that. And then what happens when D'Angelo Hall sits out and now Julio Jones is guarded by the same guy who is guarding the backup. And now all of a sudden Julio Jones has 200 yards. You don't know those things. So I tend to stay away from them as a general rule, but it's a different, it's a completely different type of research. You're looking for injuries. You're looking for vulnerabilities in cash games. You're looking for performance and folks who are going to come through on a regular basis. So, um, my notes just skipped on me. Uh oh. Um, no, it didn't. Here we go. Did it? There you go. Okay. Good. So, again, it, it, you know, if you want that kind of stuff, there are sites out there that do tournament specialties. Um, tournament specialty tends to be big bucks in the uh, pay for realm because people enter millionaire makers. We're doing this because we enjoy talking about football. We're not doing this to make money. And thusly, we're not talking about the big pools, we're talking about the pools for everybody else. And so that's that's kind of where we're at with that. So um, so last, last thing before we move on is variations on gaming pools. So when you log into any of these sites for the first time, you're going to see a bunch of different kinds of pools. You're going to see beginner pools. You're going to see casual pools. You're going to see intermediate pools, etc. So let's just go really quickly over what those are. Beginner pools are usually limited to folks who have placed 50 or less bets on their site. So new players, this is to keep the Sharks from coming in and preying on the new players. So a beginner pool is probably a little bit easier for you to start with. They tend to be smaller value. They tend to be a good place to start. Casual pools, but they call them casual on DraftKings. They call them intermediate on FanDuel. Those are folks who have played 500 contests or fewer. So you can play an entire season and not get anywhere near intermediate. Uh, and those tend to be folks that are a little bit, you know, not sharks, but not complete newbies, folks who have had time to experience it uh, and, and really kind of learn from their mistakes. Um, there's limited entry pools because one of the things that you'll see happen too sometimes is a shark will get really good information and he will drop 20 lineups into a single pool and he's going to decimate if he's right. He's going to finish one through 20. No one's going to have a chance in that top 20 spots, particularly if it's tournament, that can be a problem. So th- this is one of the things that they do um, to kind of combat that. Uh, so limited entry pools mean you can only enter up like two or three lineups. There's also single entry pools where you can only put one lineup into each pool. I love these because I typically only put one lineup into each pool. Yeah, I, I'm a fan of those myself. Yeah, because you know you're not going to get if you're playing against a hundred people in a single single entry pool, you're playing against a hundred different people. If you're in an unlimited entry pool typically the, the site limits are 20. It could be me and four other guys. And those four other guys, all they need to do is two of them to hit on their crazy lineups and I'm done because they're going to manipulate the top half of the, they're going to manipulate spots one through 40. There are people who literally will put the same lineup into a tournament 20 times to maximize their payouts. It's nuts to me. So I, I tend to like single entry pools a great deal. Uh, head-to-head tournaments. Head-to-heads is just two people. It's you and a buddy if you like them. Um, you put in a lineup, he puts in a lineup. One of you walks away with cash, one of you does not. Here's the thing about head-to-head. I do not recommend blind head-to-head entries. Don't go into the, the room and just pick a random guy or put in a random entry and say, here's five bucks, let's see who can come up against me. That is pray for sharks. They will do that. They will look for folks who have beginner status. They will look for folks with intermediate status. They will look for folks with low winning totals and they can track this kind of stuff because the sites do. Um, there's badges that you get after you've played so many pools and won so much money. So all a shark has to do for a new player is look for somebody with no badges and they think it's easy money. If you want to do head-to-head, directly challenge a friend through the site. It's easy to do. It, it's not that it's not that hard to set up and it's a lot more fun. I think I've, I've played against Craig once or twice in head-to-head pools. I've definitely played against my old friend Greg Um, I played against my brother. um, We should do that this year. We should. You know, that's not a half bad idea. That might be fun to do because we can't give out specific lineups on here. Maybe if we did uh, some pool entry, we could actually uh, get some stuff done that way. So anyway, uh, I'm running out of time, so I want to get this going. Uh, Free rolls is anything that costs zero to enter. I highly recommend you take advantage of those whenever they show up. Qualifiers. Qualifiers are tournaments where you don't necessarily win cash. The top one to whatever spots, depending on the setup of the tournament, end up winning tickets to bigger tournaments. Uh, and usually there's stuff that are destinations. I think last year they did one in Maui, where like the first 10 weeks of the season, whoever finished first or second in their tournament pool got a t- plane ticket and a hotel reservation in Maui and got to go down there and play for like a million bucks. Okay. They tend to make a lot of money off of these. They're no different than tournaments. You got to treat them like a tournament. You got to research them like a tournament. You got to play them like a tournament. So, uh, and then the last thing is steps. Step pools are smaller tournament pools with the design of giving newer or lower budget teams an effort, an opportunity rather, to participate in bigger events. So for example, step one is a $2 entry and whoever finishes first out of that pool of like 10 people gets a ticket to step two. Step two is a ten dollar entry, and whoever finishes first gets to step to step three. Step three is a hundred dollar entry, and whoever finishes first there gets to step to step four, which is a thousand dollar entry. So it's a guy. So if you can win three weeks in a row, which is extremely difficult, Very extremely difficult. difficult. Think about that. Very difficult. There's a hundred of you at each of these steps, so you have to finish first in four out of four hundred people on four consecutive occasions. I mean, it's possible. It, well, somebody does it. But one person out of 400 does it. That's like, what, a quarter of a percent? It's tiny. But somebody's going to do it. That person gets to spend two bucks, play for four weeks, and end up in a pool that they can win a lot of money. I avoid the steps. I have never made it past step two, personally. I have never played one myself. I've done step one a couple times. I've made the step two a couple times. I've always faltered in step two. Um, Yahoo did a tournament last year for people who did season long with them in which everyone got a free step one thing. Actually, that's not true. I can't say I failed in step two. I made the step three that time. And I made it to step three and got crushed. Absolutely crushed. Um, So I won nothing out of it. And that's the thing. Once you lose in those step competitions, you're done. So I got to play for three weeks, but I got absolutely nothing out of it. Um, So those are the different types of pools. Those are the different subsets of pools. Um, I guess where we would go now is... What do we recommend for new players? So let's start with Craig. Craig, what would you recommend for the person who is looking at DFS for the first time and just says, I don't know what to do. I want to try it, but I don't know if this is for me. I don't know if I want to start an account. What would you recommend?
0: Um, so I would recommend doing – there are beginner pools that actually are free. There are. Um, so they don't cost any money. You get tickets for yes. other – other, um,
1: Kind of like the steps.
0: Entries. Yep. Right.
1: Kind of like the steps. So
0: I would do those or I would stick to the 50-50s or the double ups. You know, there's even ones that are like, you know, 25 cents.
1: Yes. Tournaments. Just
0: 25 cents, 50 cents, a dollar.
1: Tournaments try, will start at 25 those. cents. There's a million people in that pool and only the top 10,000 are going to cash, but there's 25 cent pools and I've done them. I've done them. Sometimes
0: They're good to um start out with. Yeah. Sometimes you, know, you just to win 50 cents. Just to just get the idea of it.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So as always, you can always email us with questions, tweet us with questions. We're happy to answer them on the air. That's kind of our introduction to DFS. The end result is that these guys want you to play, so they're going to make efforts to try and educate new players. I recommend going to the different sites: DraftKings, FanDuel, you know, etc. If
0: you um, if you make a new account, sometimes you get some free entries.
1: Yes, there's that too, and and we will um, we're checking on the legality of it, but we think we can put a link on our. Webpage page at fignutsdfs.com dfs.com that would allow you to claim bonuses um through us uh because we both have accounts at both sites uh and that might be helpful to new players starting out as well so uh, but again we, we're happy to revisit the topic we're happy to go over it again um i hope it was helpful it, it, it so it takes a while to get used to um yeah
0: it's definitely you can't really compare it to the season-long fantasy right. that everyone's used to
1: the only thing that's c- comparable at season long is you're putting together a lineup and you're trying to score the most points. Yeah, That's it. I mean, how you go about putting that lineup, what kind of pool you put them into, how much like, money cap you wager. The a big thing. The salary cap is a huge thing. That's all Yeah, so difficult. you're not
0: starting Tom Tom Brady and Le'Veon Bell. and. Uh...
1: Yeah, your, your lineup <laughs> each week is not Brady, Bell, and Johnson. No. To, it's your top three. <laughs> There's no way. I, I, you would, if, if Brady, Bell and Johnson was your top three, your wide receivers are going to be people like Craig, lucky whitehead, (laughs) lucky whitehead and me, although I have more of a tight end build if you have to ask about it. Um, so yes, that's, and that's how it's set up. It's set up. So it's not easy to do, but that is where we will be coming in during the season. We will be doing every week. We will be looking at the salaries and the lineups and saying, okay, here's person that we think is going to perform very well. That's really what the metric does. The metric identifies folks who are low cost with high upside. And that's really what it is. If you can identify two people that are underpriced, meaning they have a salary lower than people who are going to, lower than other people, but are going to outpoint those same people, you can be very, very successful. Three years ago, when Blake Bortles was coming up and everybody, was, no one was big everyone, on Blake Bortles. Everyone loved Blake Bortles. Well, that was last year. But yeah. the year before that, not a lot of people were big on Blake Bortles. His salary was way down, and yeah, we it was were like using
0: him. Two thousand dollars.
1: <laughs> two thousand dollars. and He was yielding ten points a game. That's a five. That's what they call a five x turnaround. If you're if you're producing five times as many points as your salary, so two thousand turns to ten points. That's two times five is ten. Then that's that's fantastic. If you can maximize that into three times across your entire lineup, you're going to win a lot of times in cash games, and that's really what we aim to do. So. Uh, with that, we will wrap up. We will be publishing every Friday going forward, um, except for one weekend in October. I don't know how we're going to handle that yet, but I'm going to be away in Philadelphia. So maybe we can have a fig nut come and sit in for me here at, at, uh, at the studio, but we'll figure it out. Um, until then, email us, fignutsdfs at gmail.com. Tweet at us f- at fignutsdfs. Our Facebook place is there. Uh, we just really want to hear from you guys and really want to hear about where you want to see this podcast go. Cause we're really interested in, in, in making it useful for you guys, our listeners. And thank you up front for everybody who's been on board the first five or six episodes. The response has been better than we thought it would be. And we're happy to continue doing it. So Craig, with all yeah. that in mind, what do you got to finish us up with?
0: Uh, yeah, again, thank you for the uh, downloads. We really appreciate it. Um, also thank you for the views on the site, And um, if you want to, think this uh well if you think this podcast is fun to listen to um and a, a review on itunes would be highly appreciated yes
1: very much so if you can go on to whatever site you use us to listen to um we would really appreciate it if you could just give us a little bit of a review all right with that being said i'm Britt. He's, i'm craig he's craig and we are the football fig nuts we will see you next week have a great one guys <laughs> <laughs>